Hey, welcome to the Ringer MBA show. Uh, today, we are talking to Jonathan Charks, Ringer blogger extraordinaire about some summer league action uh, and some other guys out here uh, still in the restricted free agent market and some teams that are kind of making some some noise out here in the remainder of the offseason. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by TheRinger.com, believe it or not. Great website. Uh, today, you can check out Haley O'Shaughnessy with a Great feature on Wilt Chamberlain's trade to the Los Angeles Lakers 50 years ago. Uh, Haley talked to some really important guys from that era, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, uh, just about how that kind of laid the groundwork for today's free agency culture where guys are kind of forcing their way to different situations. Uh, it's a really good read. Check that one out. And it's also, if you have some extra podcast listening time, listen to One Shining Podcast. Our guys, Tate Frazier and Mark Titus, I believe they're here in Vegas as well, popping in to check out some of the action. Uh, I think they're going to record some stuff for you guys. So definitely check in from the college perspective on the rest of these guys. Uh, and we'll get in with Sharks here. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I am Justin Verrier. Joining with me, Jonathan Charks. How you doing, man? What's up, man? Uh, we are here from lovely Las Vegas, where we are at the Caesars, Caesar's Palace Casino and Resort, I presume is how you say that, in this lovely villa surrounded by several Ringer staffers. Charks is just raving about the brunch I just here. killed the uh, breakfast buffet, man. It's fantastic. The brioche game, I hear, is oh, really brioche up. and crepe. Crepes? How do you say it? Crepes. Yeah, they're, it's fantastic. You're a real Francophone, I could tell. I'm getting there. <laughs> Not I'm, at, I'm becoming more classy by the minute saying it's Caesars. So we've been here, what, three, four days now? It's hard to even tell anymore. <laughs> like I've lost track of time. Each day My is like voice five is days. Shot. <laughs> yeah, nobody really has a voice anymore. Uh, we've been just sitting in a gym for the most part, watching a bunch of mediocre basketball, bad basketball, intriguing There's basketball. There's fun players, but the, the actual games are horrible, but the players are fun. I actually like coming and seeing these guys for the first yeah. time. I know the setting is, is complicated. And for a lot of these guys, if they play poorly, we'll just write it off as if they didn't have the proper teammates or people are doubling them and whatnot. But I don't know. I like seeing these guys for the first time. I, I like just the the general like chill atmosphere. The Cox Pavilion is basically like a high school gym. So yeah. we can almost like reach out and touch Harry Giles, which might not be That's best probably, for, yeah. <laughs> for, for Harry Giles. Um, but I mean, one thing we've been talking about throughout the past few days is just the big men. Uh, in this draft class and how they kind of defined it feels like I and mean, there's so many good bigs right i mean how many went in the top few picks deandre ayton number one overall marvin bagley went to bombo went five i believe to the magic or six bombo went six okay. um, jackson went four jackson went four carter went seven so that's five out of the top seven picks. so we were talking about these guys pretty much leading up into the draft for, for weeks and now we get to see our first glimpses of them, I guess your takeaway, like what do you think of these guys so far? Well, what's really stood out to me is like, it's even deeper than that. So the other guys, the one guy from last year's draft who's still here is Jonathan Isaac. He's as big as any of them and he's killing it. And then you have two more guys who've been off the radar. You have Harry Giles. He was considered the top big man in his class two years ago before he destroyed his knee. Mm -hmm. Everyone kind of wrote him off as never, like he'll never be the same. He's back this year. He's playing really well. He looks good. He looks like an elite big man. I mean, elite's probably strong, but he looks really good. And then Mitchell Robinson, the guy that nobody knew anything about. He didn't go to college. He was totally off the map, fell in the second round. And you watch that guy play, you're like, oh my gosh, he is, he's got as, as much talent as any of these guys. Yeah, I've been watching a, a few of these guys. And what's interesting is like, yes, the, the top picks have been interesting and 
uh, have done some stuff. But the guys next to them are almost more intriguing simply because they no longer have the shine to them. Jonathan Isaac obviously missed a lot of his first season. Harry Giles missed his entire first season, so he is technically still a rookie. And Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox has been getting a lot of the buzz just because of some of the dunks he's been having. And he's really athletic. He seems like he fits that kind of two-way model teams are looking for. But Mitchell Robinson is out there. He's just a massive human. And he's almost as if like he has a guard's body and someone just like stretched them out. For sure. Like he has been showing some fatigue issues. Like he seems like he's he hasn't played. Yeah, but he hasn't played for an entire season. So I do wonder like how much those guys will factor into it. Do you think Giles specifically has a chance to maybe even win rookie of the year? I mean, I feel like so I'm I'm not sure Sacramento is going to win enough games. I feel like generally rookie of the year goes to the guy on a good team who puts up stats. I mean, Sacramento is going to be tough for them to really. Yeah. I mean, I think also they're going to. Sacramento better bring him along slowly. Do not rush this guy back and play him 30 minutes at five right away. That'd be insane. Yeah, and that's the question because they do still have a lot of guys in that front court. I saw Costa Kufos just guys hanging forward, out. though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Willie Cauley-Stein, I still kind of like him in theory. I Theoretically, think he, yeah. Yeah, I think like he, he's, he's active. He can get out and defend a few positions. So I don't know what they're going to do there, but I do think it's funny that we're talking about Giles way more than Marvin Bagley, a guy that I think... While we knew that there were, his fit would be a little complicated in, in, in the NBA, mm-hmm. he'd be more of a stats guy than maybe a guy that would be on a winning situation. But he got hurt here already, and he's kind of seated the floor here. Yeah. Have you seen a little bit of Bagley? And I guess, what do you think about him? See, I, I always kind of thought he'd be a project. I still think he's got incredible talent, but nothing he's done surprised me. Actually, I was surprised in a good way. They're letting him take the rebound and bringing up the floor, and he made a couple good passes in transition. I think the thing with Bagley that's encouraging is that he's very fluid off the dribble, but then he has to become a good shooter for it to matter. And that's that's a long way away. That's where the project part comes in. Right. And I guess the one guy who's who's really doing well in that area is Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he had yeah, eight for 13 it, yeah. from three. He was really from afar. I mean, I, I kept tabs on some of those draft guys, but I yeah. pretty much had it filtered through you and Danny Chow. Great, great word. And Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> and Don't Kevin forget O'Connor. the great. He's sitting over here right now. It's too cool to this podcast. But there you right. go. Uh, and pretty much Jaron Jackson Jr. was, if if not the the number one blog guy, Definitely he was, he was number, number one. Two. He was the number one blog guy. I mean, sure. Luca definitely. I guess yeah, that's fair. he's he's the blog god. Um, <laughs> that's a great nickname. I mean, I'm bummed that Luca didn't play in this to, yeah. to divert the conversation just a little bit because everything has to be about Luca that, at definitely, the ringer. <laughs> but like it, the natural tension of like the guy who got passed over from number one and everyone thought should have gone number one. Uh, not being able to play against Aiton has really been a bummer in this summer league setting, I think, so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it was ever really going to happen. The Mavs put out a lot of stuff. They kept changing their story. They were like, at one point, they were like, well, you know, Real Madrid's in Spain. They don't do things on the weekends. Like, they can answer a phone <laughs> call and sign a contract. I don't I don't buy that. Yeah, I guess the one thing he doesn't need to do is is play more basketball. Yeah. over the summer because he's been playing pretty much throughout the draft process. He's won every MVP award that like the EuroLeague has to offer. I guess my Luca take, um, I didn't realize he had two big tattoos on his arms. Whoa. So he's got a Bengal tiger and an eagle. And oh. so I've been asking around the tattoo people in Vegas. <laughs> wow. I, wait, 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 are you asking tattoo artists? No, or? like the NBA bloggers who have tattoos. Okay. So I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't, sure. You know. 
And they're telling me like it's unusual for a guy for his first tattoos to be his forearms. Usually it's your upper arm because you can hide that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if he's getting forearm tattoos at 18, he's probably going to have full sleeves pretty soon. Because that's the Lonzo move. I noticed he has the forearm going as well. I don't know if you've been on tattoo watch. Not, not, I mean, I'm more watching Luke a little closer. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that he's he's constructing an entire jungle on, <laughs> on, on his non-shooting hand. Hopefully it's, it's not a shooting Strict, arm. Not strictly for passes, that one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Bagley... Uh, I don't know. I, I I've never been a big fan, but at the same time, I never, was never a big fan with Aiton either. Yeah. I mean, he they went up against each other. Uh, I think the first night here, it was really, night? it was really disappointing because it ended up being Giles guarded Aiton and Bagley played Fender. <laughs> right. So they didn't. They hardly ever played against each other. Classic, we were all pretty bummed. Classic summer league where you anticipate just like two rookies going at each other and they never yeah. go <laughs> anywhere near each other. But I don't know. Aiton to me, he seems active, but he seemed a little passive off the ball. Like when he got touches, he was able to go yeah. for it. But I don't know. He, his screens were just like really lackadaisical. And he, he seems like the type of guy you're going to need to keep engaged. I think with him, he's it's weird because he has the shot and he's so athletic, but he's actually more of a post scorer right now. Like to get him involved, you got to run an offense and like post him up. And it's really hard to get post guys touches in summer league. Because mm-hmm. like the other didn't seem like Aiton and like Jackson and Isaac, and those kind of guys. They'll just forward the three-point line and get shots up that way. Aiden really needs the ball given to him inside. And with Summer League, it's always like, oh, this team has no point guard. This is it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was getting double teamed a lot, I think, was was the case there. But I have to say, I've come up with what I call the Buddy Heald zone. Interesting. Which is where a guy who was picked in the lottery doesn't do too well at Summer League, and everyone writes it off because Steph Curry also didn't do too well in yeah. Summer League. But then in actuality, they probably aren't that good. <laughs> it's just that we rationalize that guy it's summer league and we don't want to read too much into it. But a guy like Trey Young, for instance, like, I don't know. I, I didn't really see it. And so I do worry a little bit with Aiton. If he's not out there dominating from the start, especially given his size and physical advantage over some of the other guys there, I, I do want. Well, here's the thing with Aiton in college. That's a difference. Like, cause we were just lifting off all these bigs. He didn't really have that much of an advantage on Harry Giles. Like, yeah. There's so many good bigs. So like all of a sudden, DeAndre Ayton's otherworldly size and athleticism, instead of like just dwarfing people, he's just slightly bigger and slightly faster. Yeah. That's like the, honestly, Harry Giles outplayed him. I don't, that doesn't really mean that much, but he outplayed him in that game. Yeah. And I guess Ayton is what, like 20 at this point? I have to look it up. They're it, all the same age. Yeah, about. but he looks like he looks like he's thirty-five. 30. <laughs> like I don't know how you physically matured that quickly. Uh, here I am, just a blog boy eating chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but uh, I think I have some game left in me. Um, so I guess based on three or so days of summer league, who's your rookie of the year favorite? Okay, this is not the guy I think is the best. Just from what I've talked to people, I th- I think Colin Sexton because I think Cleveland's mm. going to try to be good next year, keep their guys, and then he'll have the ball a lot. And so if they're an eight seed and he's you know, putting up a lot of counting stats, he'll probably be the rookie of the year. One guy I was looking at, kind of similar there, and maybe it's just because guards it might be easier in summer league because they have the ball yeah. and they don't have to rely on other guys. But Shea Gilgis Alexander. I didn't watch a lot of him, but what I saw, I really liked. He has like a poise to his game that I wasn't expecting and a lot of pull up jumpers, which I'm not sure I'm thrilled about, but he definitely knows like how to get his shot off and he could be a little crafty getting yeah. to the rim. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think there's a, a possibility that like the Clippers could start selling off guys before the trade deadline. Maybe they a, a few wins don't go their way and they could start tanking a little bit. And all of a sudden, Shea's in that rookie of the year conversation. I actually, I'm doing a story on him and Jerome Robinson. I talked to Shea maybe two days ago. I don't, I don't even know when I talked to him. Great guy. Great guy. Fantastic. Great. And um, it was funny. I was asking about his jump shot because that was a big question about him. And he's like, well... At Kentucky, my role was to attack the rim and not shoot. And I was like, mm -hmm. very, very John Calipari. Yeah. You know, just you know, everyone attack the rim. We don't need shooters. But you think he can't shoot? It's better than I think he's given credit for because Calipari was just telling him to attack the rim constantly in college. Yeah. So it was because everyone was like, man, he's a very reluctant shooter. I don't think he is. I just think in college, he, in college, he was being asked to just attack constantly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get back to some more general NBA topics. Cool, cool. Today's Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Burrow. You owe it to yourself to experience the comfort of a Burrow couch. Burrow brings style and comfort to a new level and ships to your door fast and free. Your relationship with your couch will never be the same. Burrow sofas are handcrafted in the same factories in North Carolina as other high-end retailers, but Burrow delivers them for much less with their innovative, award-winning design. Customize your Burrow sofa to match your style by selecting the color, size, armrest height, and leg color that is perfect for you. Shipping is fast and free, unlike the rest of the furniture industry. And every burrow has a built-in USB charger. Enjoy 30 days of cozy on your comfortable burrow risk-free. Or try burrow at one of their partner showrooms today. Uh, the Ringer has a burrow uh, at the office. It is just lovely. I sit on it occasionally um, to do some work, to read some of the blogs that you are checking out on the ringer.com hopefully uh charks is a big lounger and so he appreciates all of uh all of the burrow comforts uh customize your own burrow and get 75 dollars off your order by going to burrow.com slash mba that's b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash mba for 75 dollars off your purchase burrow makes a luxury couch for real life all right we are back here in lovely summer league going to talk about a little bit more about guys who are left out there in free agency it's really kind of a barren market at this point it's really mm -hmm. just a bunch of restricted free agents who have kind of been squeezed out of this market uh the top guy there is clint capella i think a guy we expected to be gone by now yeah. or at the very least maybe one of these teams with cap space like the kings or the bulls or or the Hawks to at least take a chance on them. I would them. thought they would have squeezed the Rockets, but no one did. Right. At the very least, you want to make the Rockets pay the luxury tax and, and get up there. But all of a sudden, the, the chair, musical chairs have kind of stopped here and, and, and Capella doesn't have a team. I'm just curious, like, what happens with this guy now? Is, is there a possibility that he signs the QO and comes back and plays on a one-year deal and all of a sudden the Rockets are looking at a bit more of a tenuous future than we expected? I've heard he's really pissed about yeah, the offer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Like, I think he went into the summer assuming, and we all assumed, that he was worth a max. Yeah. Uh, and then considering what DeAndre Jordan just got paid by the Mavs, I think you could argue that he is worth one. I mean, you look at it like he clearly outplayed Carl Towns in the first round, and Carl Towns is about to make like $160 million. Right. So Capella's like, give me my cash. <laughs> right. And I mean, we talked so much during the season while the Rockets were spacing the floor just with shooters, like he created vertical space. This is something KOC has talked about a lot. Yeah. And it's just another advantage that they have. And I think it's like, it's one that, I don't know, if they didn't have him, and this is two years from now, so we don't even know what the Rockets are going to look like, but whether Chris Paul is going to like get injured this next season, what's going to happen. But I mean, he's a big key part of their sure. present and their future. Uh, and speaking of their future, 
I think they are looking at a certain guy that we all love dearly. Dearly. Uh, we had a telephone for him. You know? We did. I know. And he's he is going to be free soon. Uh, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony, obviously. Uh, and he's looking at a few teams. We don't really have a list to work off from, but there have been rumblings and I guess presumptions that he's probably going to follow one of his, his homies mm. to, to one of these teams. Uh, the Rockets are one of them just because Chris Paul is there. Dave McMiniman had a tweet yesterday that Carmelo Anthony's business manager was sitting with a bunch of uh, the Rockets principals. I think Daryl Morey. Um, I think Mike D'Antoni was there. The whole Chris brain Paul. trust. Seems yeah. Right. Everyone comes to summer league and just like hangs. Well, it's just, it's just for like, you know, scheming, cooking out villainous plots. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, I get it. They lost Trevor Ariza this off season. They have a hole there at the three, but Mel to me doesn't necessarily <laughs> strike me as the type of Does guy. Does he they fit need. that hole? I don't know. I mean, they need a three and D guy and he's a three and and three he's, guys he's more like an iso and iso guy <laughs> do you think okay so that's interesting like they're a lot of what they do now is iso based do you think like there's a place for him on that team see i i would like him in the ryan anderson role if mm. he's coming off the bench and just getting buckets i mean i don't know i need him you know guarding people and that kind of <laughs> <laughs> playing defense uh i guess the ryan anderson role is a bit amorphous at this point because ryan anderson's role is to sit on the bench and and just make an absurd <laughs> like, amount of money it, it comes in handy in the regular season like he comes in and like gets like 20 points and wins the game for you Melo could do that still i think but every night i don't know yeah i mean I guess the question is if Chris Paul has been willing to take a back seat to James Harden and, and that whole structure there, is Melo the type of guy to willing to suppress like maybe his ego or his desire to, to well, take shots? You saw that con press conference in the season. I yeah. mean, that was uh, kind of worrisome what he was talking about. Yeah. And then like as he was exiting the Thunder, he was basically like, yeah, I still don't want to do this. <laughs> I wasn't kidding before. Uh, so I do wonder like if he fits there because. A lot of the suitors everyone are, are talking about is are basically title contenders. Yeah. You have the Lakers with LeBron, even the Heat. Uh, like, yeah, they are in the upper crust of the East, but Dwayne Wade is coming off the bench there. And if he comes back, well, presumably if, if Wade's coming back. Yeah. If he comes back and I think it makes too much sense for him to come back. Right. Because, I mean, he got burned with LeBron last year, going, chasing LeBron around. So I would think he wouldn't want to do that again. Right. And then if you're looking at a team with the Lakers of Wade, Mello, LeBron, Rondo and JaVale McGee like <laughs> maybe get Chris Bosch back in there I know get the whole band together get everybody back there <laughs> I, I I just don't know if it works there but as a as a fan I guess <laughs> or someone who's watched Melo way too long and has become emotionally attached to him in in certain ways I kind of want to see him go to the Clippers Let's say that the mm -hmm. they strike out on Kawhi, which is a, a thing that's burbling over the past couple yeah. of days here, and they just want to prove that they can like cater to a star player, and which is essentially what the organization is, is running toward here. They have all this cap space coming into 2019. I wrote about this the other day, but like they there's there might not be anyone to spend it on, mm -hmm. and so maybe this helps in that regard. You know what's kind of sad? I'm thinking about this. I like they've got Tobias Harris and Gallinari. Like Melo's not better than those guys. That's yeah, that's a great point. It's like he's just not. Well, what Gallinari? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Gallinari that's with true. a with a working glute yeah. <laughs> or not. But I don't know. That it's gonna be a fascinating thing to see. It's pretty much at this point going past the summer, it's Kawhi and and mellow. Feels like everyone's waiting for Kawhi. That's everyone's like speculating, like, where's he gonna go? Like that's the talk of the town for sure. Well, those guys plus another Lakers legend. 
Isaiah Thomas. Oh, yeah. We're sitting here, what is it, mid-July at this point, July 9th, so early July, and he still doesn't have a team. We're not, where is the team going to be? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't, I, I don't know what he does at this point. There were, there were some reporting that the magic had, had kind of danced around and maybe talked to him a little bit. Um, That's not happening, though. He's not going there. Yeah, there was some kind of reporting that came out afterward that they weren't really entertaining I think, idea. I, I think they were thinking about it that's as far as it goes. Which makes sense because their best guard is the other Isaac, Isaac, Isaac or other Isaiah, Isaiah Briscoe. The number one Isaiah. DJ Augustine is mad at you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of bigs there. They need a point guard. They need a guard. But at the same time, if you're looking to develop those guys, do you really want Isaiah yeah. Thomas jacking is, 30 is, is shots a game? Is he a culture game? guy for a young team? I don't know. So if you were Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah Thomas's representation, which team would you be calling up right now? China. The Chinese <laughs> Basketball Association. Calling up Yao Ming. Get some of the see if he would he would get, get those Brinks trucks, man. He could be so. I mean, Isaiah is not that old. He could play no. in China for five years, be the MVP. You know, he could make so much money in China and just be a, a legend over there. Oh, or he could stay in the league and be hunting on the puck and roll defense. Yeah, and it's worked for some guys. Like Jared Smith went over there and, and came back and, and rehabilitated yeah, his back. career. And he had one of the most tumultuous like Chinese runs <laughs> Incredible in history. Stories from JR, yeah, where he sure. would just like get fined millions of dollars for missing every single Did practice you hear about reportedly. The one about the uh, room service? No. So he apparently he would order room service just to do it and just stack room service things in his hotel room and never eat them. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you don't know the language and you're not interested per se in the culture and you're not really a, a travel guy, you're not the Bourdain of the NBA. I feel like J.R. Smith has all kinds of culture in him. I would love uh, he to has see. A, he has J a lot of stuff in him. Get, yes. get J.R. to the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yes. But I mean, maybe Isaiah goes out there, like gets his, his money and then comes back and is maybe humbled a little bit. And Prove he's able. healthy, you know. But it's just sad because two years ago, this guy was just a, a, a legend. He was. <laughs> with the Celtics. I think, he's, I think he still will be in time. I think he'll get his nurse jersey retired and stuff. I do wonder what Celtics fans think of him now. I think they love him still. I mean, if they didn't, that's kind of messed up. At the same, Well, at the same time, he, he kind of went out. He threw, he threw some shots. He's thrown some shots at pretty much everybody. Time heals. Time, time heals. heals. Yes, that's true. That's very deep of you, Jonathan. You know. I've always said that about you. <laughs> We're uh, getting to the Zen stuff here in Newport, <laughs> Vegas. Right. But I guess another one of these teams that I, I guess is kind of uh, in, at an inflection point, just like uh, the Orlando Magic, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, everyone's favorite team. Every, Chris Vernon. Chris Vernon's favorite Shout team. Shout out Chris Vernon. But Jaron Jackson has been interesting for them. Uh, they also signed Kyle Anderson to mm -hmm. an offer sheet. Pretty steep price of four years, $37 million. Uh, I don't know if I would be giving Kyle Anderson $37 million. Have you been a, a slow-mo fan? I like slow-mo. I think they were in this weird spot because the owner said, we got to win 50 games this year. And they so then, okay, we got to be good. And like they have literally no wings in the roster. And it's so hard to find threes. That's the hardest person to find. They're not out there. It's basically Kyle Anderson or Rodney Hood were your two options. I still believe in Rodney I Hood. I believe in him too. But I might have gone Hood. It would have been cheaper. It would have been. I mean, he's had some injury concerns, and in slow mo, that's one thing you can kind of count on. I mean, if you, never, if you never jump, it's hard to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But I don't know. I mean, uh, does it take the ball out of Mike Conley's hands a little bit more than than you? I think like? that'd be good, though. I think they need to. He's. I mean, he's he's a little older. Like I, I worry about Conley's injury history for sure in Memphis. Yeah, and so now you really have this team in Memphis, kind of 
walking the line between what they used to be and what they're maybe mm-hmm. going to be with Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson. Uh, Dylan Brooks is still there. I they- think he'll start at the two, Dylan Brooks. Really? At the two? Who else is going to do it? Look at that <laughs> Look at that roster and you tell me who else is going to start. The Chandler comeback is afoot, my friend. Oh, oh, here we go. Juliet's still here. <laughs> She's liking it. But I don't know. Like, Do you start Jaron Jackson or is someone like Marcus Sol going to gonna buck a little bit when you're playing next to well, a rookie? I think Jermichael Green would buck. He's yeah. on a contract. I think they'll start Jackson off the bench and ease him in. You know, I mean, he's only 18. They might as give your veteran with a big contract. Because if you bench to Michael Green now, you've lost him for the season. You know, let him let it play out. And then if you need Jackson, if you're not doing very well, then you can bring him in. It's like, oh, here we have this push kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they also signed Omri Caspi, personal favorite of mine, but he couldn't stick on the Warriors last year, which at the, like the minimum. So I don't so know. That's a bad sign if you can't stick in Golden State. Not great. Uh, Wayne Selden, Ben McLemore, Marshawn Brooks, I believe, is still on the te- roster? technically on the oh roster. Oh my goodness, that's after, awesome! After his amazing end <laughs> to the season, I mean, for me, the thing was like they they didn't trade Tyreek Evans at the deadline, and yeah, that that was still crazy, and that they didn't really get much of it. So they're in this weird spot where their ownership clearly wants to win, and they went through all this turmoil, maybe not turmoil, but at least unrest during the middle of the season where their principal owner had to buy out essentially the team from the minority owners. And I don't know if we ever got official resolution from that. It's all super vague. I mean, my conspiracy theory is like, because he bought those guys out, he needs money. Sure. He probably can't afford for him to be bad and like, you know, not sell tickets. That's my suspicion. hundred percent. And they're, if not the smallest market, they're definitely in the the bottom five. I mean, I've always thought of them as is just like another new orleans where i think that's right if, I, yeah, if you have right. something to sell to your fans they've come out like the grit and grind era was huge and i know like from marketing execs in the nba they they used to just flock to there and just like wanted to know the secret sauce that was able to have, like build a fan base essentially from nothing mm. from a football culture but at the same time like they're kind of stuck in this middle ground and i don't know if we've ever seen that work i mean the mavs are in the same position where you have uh, veterans mix with intriguing rookies in a conference where it's really going to be unforgiving. Yeah. I think with Memphis, if you look at, so they're a small market team. Like if you really go back and look at it, the reason they're having to pay Anderson was at 40 million is yeah, because they haven't about. been drafting and developing. Like that, sh- that role should be your guys you drafted in the last couple of years who none of those guys have panned out for them. And that's what really kills you for a small market team. You've got to keep that pipeline replenished. Right. And you saw what the Pelicans did this offseason, losing two of their staples of the roster, one during the regular season and Boogie and one in the playoffs with Rajon Rondo. Mm-hmm. And they got some intriguing guys in Peyton and, and Julius Randle, who I've called the slim fit versions of, that was good. of like Boogie that. Rondo. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Did you RT it? No, <laughs> you're not an RT here. I'm not on Twitter, man. I don't I, tweet anything. A mental RT from Jonathan. Chase. I think you told me that. I didn't even see it on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just very proud of this. It one. was a good take. I like <laughs> this it. one joke. But like they're in another situation where it's like they're trying to mix and match guys. And I like both players in a vacuum. And I think that they fit what they want to do there to a certain extent. But at the same time, they're on one year deal. So uh, it's just going to be kicking the can down the road. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they're always kind of on this like treadmill of like running to stay in place. It's Albert Alfred Payton. Do you like Payton as a starting point guard? I I like Payton as a player. I just need him to prove it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe without his hair obstructing his vision. Oh, that's a good Like that's he's going to just start just draining corner threes. But I've always looked at it as. Ron, it wasn't just losing Rondo. You were losing Rondo and peak Drew mm-hmm. Holiday just because Drew had such a good season last year. And I think to a large degree, Rondo brought the best out of him. Yeah. 
Drew was always thought of more as like, or at least from my perspective, as like the primary creator, pick and roll guy to Anthony Davis's role man. And I think he did well in that role to a large extent, but you saw what he could do off the ball and it freed him up to play more aggressive defense. Mm-hmm. And he was a monster on that. And I think he was all NBA second team this year, or excuse me, all defense second team. I mean, what he did to Damian Lillard in the playoffs this year, man, that was, that was vicious. It was man. incredible. He was pulling cards left and right. And like, I'm not a big Rondo fan, but like that team just worked and yeah. it had success in the playoffs. And so I don't know if Peyton's going to be able to step in right away in a year that's might be the most crucial now going forward with Anthony Davis because he can sign an extension next summer. Mm -hmm. And if he's not going to, then you have to start looking at trading him next summer. So that's why I was thinking with Peyton. I think you're totally right. Drew at the two. So then because like Drew can play the one. But if you have a guy who can move him off the ball, it just makes him so much more dangerous because I love the Davis Randall Miritich front court. That is a fun combination of players right there i think the trouble you're going to get in with them is the trouble they've had over the past couple seasons where they don't have a three to mix and match with those guys yeah it's essentially solemn hill again and he creates some of the spacing issues that like they struggled with in years past and with randall i think he'll be good mixing and matching but i don't know what you do with him in crunch time and i also don't know considering a lot of his game is as a face-up big mm-hmm. and a guy who likes to pound the ball a little bit, likes to to create for himself. I don't know how that's going to work because even though Rondo was a ball pounder, he was looking to set up guys, whereas yeah. I think Julius looks to score first. So I don't know. I think what's interesting too with them, like when they got Davis and Cousins together, we all just kind of assumed, oh, you know, Cousins is a big guy, he'll be inside, and Davis is this kind of lean guy, he'll be outside. But actually, it was Davis going inside and Cousins going outside. Yeah. And like, really, Davis was great with Miritich on the outside and him on the inside. So if you had Davis and Julius, they're both kind of going at the rim. My assumption would be it'd be Davis and Miritich in crunch time. Yeah, I mean, it worked really well. And the one good thing they can carry over without Ron or without Boogie is that front court really worked. Davis seems mm. like... He really want, is convinced on playing the five more often. I think it's like playoffs. Regular season, he'll t- save his body, then playoffs. Go to right. The five. They still need the Emeka Okafor type to throw out there. Maybe they bring him back. Maybe. Czech Diallo has made some progress. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get a, a long look at him in summer league, but he's a guy that I've always been fond of. He's, yeah. uh, as someone explained to me, he's the type of guy who is high IQ, but never knows like where he needs to be. <laughs> he's just, how does that work? Exactly? He, he's just like, he's a, he's a smart player, but sometimes like he'll, he'll almost like overthink it. Oh, like maybe the game is a little too fast for him. So he, he's like 30 going on, on 15 sort of thing. Okay. I got it's you, like, it's, I got it's you. like a weird mix. There, like over eager. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I've always been a big fan. He's a really nice kid. Um, I remember his first year, him having to call Ubers at the practice facility because I don't think he had his license yet. Oh, and he he didn't appreciate everyone teasing him about that. But I don't know. I mean, they definitely need those guys to throw out there. But even in the regular season, when Boogie went down, he was AD was starting a little bit more at center. Yeah. So I mean, I like New Orleans, but I think what you just said. If you look at that Golden State series, it's the lack of perimeter length still wasn't wasn't addressed and so like they'll either going solomon hill bigger wing can't shoot or etuan Moore, smaller wing can't he's not doesn't have the size and so yeah. you had drew guarding kd it was just a tough matchup against golden state which i mean it's golden state yeah so obviously but they just don't have a lot of length on the perimeter yeah they're a weird team where it's like they can go they could finish third in the west potentially if everything clicks yeah. or they cannot make the playoffs at all I, know. I mean a bunch of teams like that yeah there's just the west is just gonna be insane uh, and then the East, on the other hand, maybe there are a couple 
good teams that will that will kind of spring. I, up I think I think the top of the East is okay. It's just the bottom of the East is just going to be pirate disaster. Yeah, I mean, and there are still a few restricted guys. Are there are there any other guys free agency wise that you're intrigued by I that mean, you want to see? I think Marcus Smart. Yeah, I see, I, to me, I if I was Sacramento, I'd go after Marcus Smart. He's a culture setter. You yeah, know? 100%. like I think you get him there. Everyone's competing more. The intensity ratchets up. I think that would be good for if that was them. I would get a guy like that over Levine. Or Levine. I mean, Jabari's interesting too. Obviously, those two guys, Marcus Smart and Jabari Parker. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the Kings are after those culture setters. Like everyone in, in the past two drafts for them has come from like a blue blood college. Yeah. They went after Bagley. Um, and part of it is probably guys who actually wanted to be there, who yeah. were willing to interview. You know, that's never a great way to do things. You know? I know, but I think Smart would be great for them. And the Kings are slowly turning into the new Nets, where they're just throwing money at guys they to are, force yeah, other teams yeah, to match. Definitely the new Nets. Um, I would assume the Celtics would match anything, but Jabari. I mean, I don't know, man. The Bucks are just like super confusing to me. They went out and got Ilyasova for a lot of money mm-hmm. when just like a couple months ago we thought his career was kind of over. He's playing in obscurity in Atlanta, so maybe he was better than we assumed. He, he wasn't uh, motivated. Ilyasova has been on six teams in the last three years. Wow. That's incredible. One of them was probably the Bucks, right? Uh, he's 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 been moving around. He's <laughs> yeah, been racking up air travel miles. But they also got Brooke Lopez. I like that one though. I like. I actually like both of them when not factoring in the money. And I think well, Brooke th- didn't get paid at all. No, he got like two million dollars. Yeah, it was it was on it was something low that, like that. And Ilyasova, sure. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it makes sense with Giannis if mm-hmm. you're saying Giannis is a rim protector, defender extraordinaire. Let's get guys who are a little bit more stretchy. It's almost like the AD Miritich thing. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and so it makes sense, but like long term, I don't know, man. And I don't know what it means for Jabari and even like John Henson, a guy who's. I mean, I mean, John Henson's going to be sitting on the bench. Sure. That's all <laughs> making a lot of money doing it. That contract was terrible. When they yeah, brought him back. yeah. They they they've really thrown a lot of money out. I mean, I think they stretched Deladova. This Dela Deladova. I think they stretched him. They paid him. They stretched him this offseason. I think. Oh, well. He wasn't really doing too much. I mean, that's they have the thing. A, they throw money around. It doesn't really work out for them. They have the new Del Vadova in Dante DiVincenzo, another guy whose name is hard to say. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the new Del Vadova is Grayson Allen for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's that's done. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think the Bucks are at a really important part of their team like building process. And if it doesn't work out this season, I think I'm a Bucks believer. I, I'm all, I think I think okay. just Giannis. I think I'm, I'm saying Giannis MVP campaign this year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yes, he's one of the five best players and he could and do if it. If they get a top three seed and he's like putting up stu- silly stats. Yeah. I mean, but you look at what Anthony Davis did this year. I mean, what would what did they finish? Sixth or something? Well, I think with Davis, because he kind of came on when Boogie went down. If he had put up those numbers all year, it would have been a different story. Okay, not to always make this about the Pelicans. But, but it's always about the Pelicans. My thing is Davis was just as good as he was the season before. It's just the storyline flipped. He no longer had cousins, and he was rising from uh, the turmoil and putting the team on his back. And yeah, they they rolled off a lot of wins. Well, but they the, were really good right before Boogie went down when those guys were together. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the season before they weren't in the playoffs, though, right? It's it's all about yeah. the. That's why I say with the rookie of the year, it's all about you got to be on a winning team. You know, narrative is important. We're, yeah. we're blog boys. We know how it goes. <laughs> we love the content. Hashtag that. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Are there any other uh, Vegas guys you're you're looking out for over the next couple of days here? Um, like oh, guys in the summer league. Yeah. Um, I'm one guy I've been watching. My guy OG Ananobi. 
That's a guy. That's my guy. I'm surprised he's even playing. It's cool. It's cool. Basically, they're just like, we're just working on your game. Like right now, they're like, OG, we want you attacking the rim off the dribble. It's like he's super raw right now. Sometimes it won't work. But then there was a couple of times against Minnesota. He got the ball faced up, two dribbles dunked yeah. in traffic. Like he's got an interesting game. I think they're really trying to grow him because obviously during the season, they've got all these established veterans. He's you know spotting up. And some are like, hey, OG, just run the team. Jack shots. Who cares? Yeah. He's uh, he's among the guys that are too good for Summer League. Jalen Brown was that type last year. Yeah. And I was watching Bam out of bio the other day. And they, they, they shut him down, I think. He's, he's been He's been flipping and flopping with Derek Jones the past couple oh, man. games. Derek Jones. Our guy. I was telling someone <laughs> the other this morning, it, I was honestly a near religious experience watching Because <laughs> wow. I, I hadn't seen him play live before. Yeah. He had three incredible dunks in 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I was almost left the gym. Like, this is too much. He's just dunk on the entire team. Yeah. And his thing is, like, if he can do anything else, like, if he can shoot. Like, I, that's I've a player, seen, man. I had not seen an in-game dunker like Derek Jones in a long time. He got hurt, unfortunately. I don't think he's going to play anymore. Yeah, he rolled his ankle, I believe. So, we'll see going forward. I mean, like, the first dunk, I'm like, what? The second dunk, I'm like... The third dunk, I'm just like, I got it. Oh. The in-game dumps at Summer League are what we're here for. Oh, I'm definitely here for that, yeah. Uh, we'll be here another day or two. Uh, we'll be hanging out at the lovely villa, watching Kyle go to work here, producing our podcast. Uh, but that's it from us. Thanks for joining the Ringer NBA show, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have a good one, guys.